Es ist Donnerstag und das bedeutet, dass es Zeit für die Game Green Greencast ist. Ich bin, ich bin eher Gastgeber Hamiltonius und mit mir ist eine Sammlung von sehr wer wird Podcaster. Uh, and if you didn't catch that, I said it's Thursday and this is the Game Green Greencast. Uh, I'm your host Hamiltonius and I'm joined by uh, a very confused set of podcasters uh, who hopefully they understand German. They should do. If they'd be taught, if if they were taught anything in school. But anyway, yes, I've <laughs> after that little bit of silliness, I'm joined by Ace. Hello. Cal. Guten Tag. Dom. Hello. Emzy. Bonjour. Bixie. Hello. And vodka. Hi. I, I didn't. I didn't really know we were doing presentations now. Ah yes. Well, you're a, now you know, and knowing is half the battle. Good improvisation. There we go. Fantastic. So, uh, yeah, I had been practicing that German all day, in case you wanted to know. And it's also not perfect. In fact, I'm only half sure if the words are right. Someone can Google Translate it later if they really want to. But yes, this is the Game Green Greencast. Uh, hello again, listeners, listeners, hundreds and thousands of you, I'm sure. And today we'll be talking about the myth of a perfect game release and whether games, if there will ever be a game that comes out perfect or whether game developers should postpone them forever and ever and ever to make sure they're perfect but first the big news that's happened this week is that Lionhead Studios the studio that it was made incredibly famous by, by making the game the movies and a load of other rubbish that no one really cares about you know like Fable and Black and White and such um well they're gone they've been they just disappeared Microsoft just don't want them anymore so yeah what do people think about that the bastards well they're my sentiments well, exactly they, they haven't gone they haven't gone yet they're um they've Shut down uh, Fable Legends. Yeah, and they've gone into that. They've said that there are talks about Lionhead being closed down. But like, I I feel like Microsoft have really fucked themselves over. <laughs> Sorry, I've just realised I swore really quickly. I don't mean to. Um, yeah. So Microsoft really screwed themselves over with the Xbox One, I think, and I think there's kind of been a knock-on effect with lots of different parts of their company and clearly Lionhead is one of them and it feels really dodgy considering there's already a beta for Fable Legends, basically a finished game and it was going to be free to play and now it's just not going to be released like what? Has this been coming since Peter Molyneux the ghost of Peter Molyneux since he went to do uh, 22 Cans his, his spectral being floats around the, the Lionhead offices and his endless ambition. I don't know. He kind of was Lionhead, wasn't he? Yeah. He was sort of, he was, he was the massive figurehead that everybody sort of associated. Um, and it, I don't know. It, it, Fable, um, the, the new Fable game wasn't necessarily sort of hugely well received from everything that I saw. But, it definitely didn't seem like it was a game that wasn't worth releasing. It would have made money because it's got Fable written on it. Yeah, but then at the same time, it was very much a jump on the bandwagon game, a bit like The Journey was a jump on the bandwagon game when everyone was into, you know, like the Connect, and all of a sudden they're like, oh yeah, let's, let's have The Journey. That's going to be really cool in like next generation and everyone's going to use this for the rest of their lives and no one uses a Connect ever. Um, and then they've decided to do a free-to-play kind of battle arena-style game, which, well, like, there's like a million out there. And yeah, it is Fable, but mm, no, 
there it's this already an oversaturated market and i think it was a poor business decision personally firing all shots yeah i was gonna say then you're not really bothered by the fact that legends has been cancelled no i'm not bothered by the fact that legends has been cancelled other than the fact that it seems to me the reason why it has been cancelled is because then it won't be fully released which means that the staff that worked on it probably won't get a payout um from the game because the game's not being released which seems like real twatty thing to do and obviously Lionhead closing and all the people losing their jobs and like there's some really fantastic people at Lionhead that's a really really horrible thing but I personally think that I'm not I'm not not upset that Fable Legends has been cancelled I don't think it should have existed in the first place but considering it has been made it is a massive shame that it is being cancelled it does seem recently that every time Microsoft releases a piece of news about what they're doing it just upsets people (laughs) <laughs> well, uh, well, uh, then, not only closing Lionhead, they're also closing studio in Denmark. It, ma- it makes me wonder if um, these. Um, uh, sorry, I was going to say it's, it's Press Play. I think they're called. Who did uh, Brotherhood of Max? Something like that. Well, the, it, yeah. it, it makes me wonder if um, these um, foreign studios are, are um, in obviously Lionhead included, are costing Microsoft too much money. I mean, I think that Microsoft are quite desperate now. I mean, they, they haven't been doing very well with the Xbox One. Um, and now they're trying to, I don't know, force Windows 10 down everybody's yeah. throats. Um, and it just seems that they're just really desperate to get back on the market. And they're doing everything like... Realistically, all gamers know that everything they're doing is just is just pushing like pushing people away. Yeah, I think they chose specific avenues to invest in, and those avenues didn't go quite the way they were expecting. And yet, they're kind of desperately holding on to them rather than kind of looking at actually what is it that we're really good at and sticking to that. So, what we're saying is it's, it's indicative of a, a different strategy by Microsoft. I mean, we said, I mean. So like what MZ said, I don't think many people, I think people are crying, not crying, but people are sad over the fact that, um, you know, a, a load of, a studio with a load of people, have lost, they've all lost their jobs. But I mean, uh, scanning around the internet, various comment threads and such, a lot of the reaction I saw, people saying, oh, well, you know, Fable 3 wasn't that great. No one was really interested in Fable Legends. You know, they, you know, they were a bit, they were dead weight. So, you know, people, obviously people can see that from the business side of it. Um, and now Sony's, done this this coup where they're now inviting them over to well, sort of uh, not inviting them over but saying you come and have a talk with us about things because sony's now you know sony sony's pr team is basically is on the on the ball has been on the ball for the last two years or so well if they managed to get kojima i reckon they could probably get uh lionhead i don't even know if they're doing it that i don't think they're even doing it for business reasons they're just doing it as a massive you know middle finger up at microsoft really yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Oh, yeah. There's like some great know. people at Lionhead. Oh, it's definitely. I'm sure there are. But oh yeah, it's, it's a massive. P- it's a massive PR thing. But yeah, they're totally. They can totally get some great shit from it. They'll probably integrate the the team into different areas of the Sony, but they probably won't cre- recreate it like they did with Kojima. They probably won't recreate a Lionhead team. They'll probably just scatter them throughout their, you know, their their existing lineup. But again, like like I said, the Sony. PR people have not missed a trick at all for the for a long time now. They they know exactly when to strike. 
I think yeah, it's it's a very it's a very clever move, and it, it sort of it all falls in with their sort of their, they've been very much a case of we're doing things for the gamers, and they seem to have got really really good at waiting for Microsoft to do something, and then immediately pouncing on ah oh, we're doing the exact opposite of that. Yeah, but is that not planned though? Like it's it's not like they react. It's like it's almost like they've got these contingencies in place that are just ready ready and waiting rather than a oh microsoft announced this hold on what can we do to like screw them over oh yes we'll do this it's almost like they've got like all these plans in place like if microsoft ever do this this is what we're gonna do they're just they're, waiting they're like for them to mess up again yeah they're, they're like they are they're batman sony they're what they're did, like did, batman did... they have con- they have plans yeah. for everything. oh right i see there we go sorry uh... that one flew straight over my head i apologize so if you start if you start working for Sony, do you get like no. a utility belt and a, a Sony orang? Yes. <laughs> like, a Sony orang. I've seen them. There's like a, a giant. There's a giant lamp. <laughs> I was thinking like there's a giant lamp that just sort of shines the old '90s PlayStation logo in the air, and 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 then like Sony employees come flocking to it. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah, I mean, I think Microsoft are really dropping the ball at the moment. I mean, they're trying their their um, their whole Windows 10 thing, everything on Windows 10, cross-platform compatibility, you know, and all that stuff. Because, you know, even as much as we say, you know, oh, Microsoft are having a hard time because the Xbox One isn't selling, you've got you to remember that they are the, you know, one of the two largest computing companies in the world. Um, I'm sure it's hurt them. I don't think it's really, it's, it's not it's not a major disaster for them yet. I mean, they've still got basically every, you know, 60 to 70% of PC gamers are on a Microsoft OS. So it's not exactly a great, a great tragedy for them. But still, at the same time, you can see that some cracks are beginning to show. I mean, I, I, I probably wouldn't blame most Xbox employees and developers if they were casting an eye towards the future and the next console and writing this one off, really. Yeah. It kind of looks like they're... They're going down the route with the the announcement of them trying to sort of maybe unify Xbox and PC gaming. It's not been a very good start with with the release of the last few titles on the Windows 10 store because they released Tomb Raider and they recently released Gears of War and they've instantly had lots of complaints about the issues with the versions compared to um, Tomb Raider, which was released on Steam, on all the other platforms, no problem. But the the Windows 10 version had very limited settings. Some of the settings were locked out, and people thinking, "What's going on here?" It's trying to make it a bit like a a console version for the PC gamers. It just seems like I don't understand why they would, if they're trying to aim for the gamer market, why would they produce a product that then isn't going to be? Then they know how picky like PC gamers especially are. So why would they not make sure that what's going to be produced is absolutely flawless? Because it the the initial launch of Windows 10 just puts so many people off. I mean, I don't want to upgrade. I like Windows 10. Yeah, I, I still don't get the backlash. I have I've had no problems with game literally no problems with games under Windows 10 at all. Um and Everything that I've used has actually worked very slightly better. So I don't know. Maybe it's down to exactly like with so many things with PCs, it's down to exactly what hardware you've got. If I had different hardware, it might have been more difficult. But from like being devil's advocate and being sort of like tech nerd here, 
if if we've got multiple versions of Windows that developers have to support, is going to make it more difficult for games to work. If everyone's running on a unified platform, yeah, okay, there might be a little bit of initial pain where people have to upgrade certain bits of hardware. But in the long run, if it's unified, it's going to be far easier to bug track. And what we're going to end up with in the long run is far better quality games because it's... And that's why they're better on the consoles, because of that unification. You you say the long run. How long do you think we're going to have Windows 10 for before we have another operating system? I know they've said that Windows 10 is... What, what? uh, this is it? Not Forever. in the sense that this is this is not is it. It's a sense that it's kind of like how Mac OS works, where you've got a standard version and then it's an updated version over and over and over instead of a brand. But then new it's still it's system. still going to be a new system, isn't it? It's not going to be a unified system, and people are always going to have different updates on different things. It's a PC. That Service doesn't packs. that doesn't make any sense to me. I'm sorry. Mm. What was that? A sorry. Service packs. Yes. Yeah, that's what, that, ultimately that's what we'll see is incremental upgrades. Yeah, but as as MZ says, it's going to change. The uh, so, someone will have Service Pack two, someone won't have, have any of the Service Packs yet, and that's going to affect the games. Not easily, mm. because it's it's almost impossible to not update Windows ten. Uh, because so many people did the whole, oh, no, I don't want to upgrade because it might reboot my computer. Because of that, they've pretty much forced it so that when Windows has an update, it'll let you snooze it a couple of times and then it will just do it. Uh, and that's kind of, it, that, that's again forcing this whole homogenization, which I, I, I see exactly what they're trying to do. And I hate to say it, but actually, just for once, I agree with Microsoft. I think it is the right thing to do to start forcing people to upgrade and stop uh, snoozing their updates. I, I, I agree with that. I mean, the vast majority of PC gamers today still are running Windows 7. They're not, because obviously a lot of people are like, I'm not touching Windows 8. And they're obviously very, everyone's still very sceptical about 10. And PC gamers are very stubborn. They don't like change. So that might be one of the reasons. We're also, the especially with those forcible updates as well to ten. On the line of like how Microsoft treats its gamers, I mean, we're also talking about a company that made games for Windows Live, which was which was famously an abortion of a of a you know a gaming platform that tried to create a closed end system and trap gamers inside of this sort of proprietary tool that just didn't really work and. Oh, it was awful, and thank God they've, they've actually stopped that now. But the, you know, Microsoft are the com- a company that tends to try a lot of things, and then uh, some of them don't work. And it dep- I don't think cause they have to work on so many different things at the same time. I guess. I mean, uh, so yeah. Sony, for example, they're a hardware company. They don't create well. They don't create a lot of software apart from the stuff that runs in their systems. Um, so they they can be. They can have that one track mind. Oh, we're going to make the we're going to make the PS4, for example. But Microsoft have got they've made the Xbox One and they've also made the PC. And then they they've also I mean from a business standpoint, it makes sense to try and combine the two. You've got two rather large audiences. Uh, you've got people on Xbox watching Netflix. You've got people on PC watching Netflix. You've got people on Xbox who want to play Rocket League with people on PC and that sort of idea. You know, people you know playing. I mean, cross compatibility's tried been tried a lot, but I think it finally we might be finally getting to the stage where it can sort of be be bridged i mean maybe not with like i'd like to see what happens when uh xbox xbox gamers play against pc gamers in an fps for example but 
Um, I think for Microsoft, it's a case of um, not di- not exactly diversifying its assets, but sort of you know creating a larger one out of the two separate ones it's got at the moment, and that comes with teething problems, uh, as most com- anything to do with computers does, because of the amount of variability that is inherent with the system. Yeah, um, the the problem with their idea of I mean, it's great that they want to unify the the whole system and the. The cross buy aspect of the things when they were saying like oh if you purchase that they're doing a quantum break so if you purchase that on the xbox one you get the pc version which is really good but i don't think they'll maybe attempt the uh the whole cross play again because they did try it in the past with um one of the old xbox 360 games and it just did not work was that shadow run was it yeah, yes. Yes. If you buy the PC version of Quantum Break, will you get it on the console as well? I um, don't know, to be honest with you. All I, it's all plastered everywhere by saying buy it on Xbox One. I, I think it's more it meant be. to be, it's meant to be like an apology, I think. <laughs> so if you've already bought it, you get another copy. What, how, is that, how is that an apology? Hey, have an extra copy of the game because you were going to play because it anyway. They're all, up, they're all upset, aren't they? Your yeah, PC but, probably but, can't but, run it, but... Yeah, you're a console gamer. You're unlikely to have a gaming PC. Yeah. It's well, kind of... Um, it's like Even with this unification of them saying we're going to bring all these Xbox games to the PC, they're still kind of at the same time trying to defend the Xbox One because they, they would never admit that the Xbox One... They've kind of hinted that it's been a bit of a failure... But they never completely admit that the Xbox One was a failure. So when they're saying, oh, we're going to bring these more games to the PC, they're, they're trying to still say, but it's still going to be great on the Xbox One. But you can also play it on PC. Well, um, to, to drag the topic back to Lionhead again. Um, we kind of went off course. Yeah, we did, we did slightly. But, you know, it's all, it's all kind of <laughs> we relevant. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna drag the topic, the conversation by its collar back to, back to Lionhead. Uh, I'm... I just, I, I'm just sad when it will, we will never see a black and white three. I just want to put it out there. I love the black and white. It's so good. Really good god game. Well, it was. I mean, like we don't know whether. I mean, there might be some kind of remnant of Lionhead that's still kept open. We don't. We don't a hundred percent know what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks or so. Uh, you know, like you said, shots have been fired by Sony. You don't know what Microsoft's reaction is going to be to that and kind of to the outcry that's happened. There might be some kind of thing that goes on to salvage a little bit of Lionhead. And so hold out hope, Hamilton. There'll be a, a, a black and white MOBA with in-app transactions. Or we might see the return of Bullfrog. <laughs> the studio. So if Fable Legends is dead, do you reckon that the actual Fable license is dead as well? Or do you reckon they'll give it to another team? Oh, it's it's dead. They'll do exactly what they did with Rare. They'll hold on to all these awesome IPs and go, yeah, do you know what? We could release another game in this series, but nah, fuck that. What's, what's the point? See, now that's oh. sad. That's sad because yeah. Fable's a fucking great franchise. I think it needs a major I, major redo if they are gonna if they do want to if they are gonna make another one. They're gonna need to do like a Mass Effect Andromeda with it and just catapult it away from I, what the original one was and maybe not promise as much as Peter Molyneux did with the other ones. Oh, he was so good. I loved him. He was an amazing salesman there. Oh, yeah. I mean, if, if, if a game came out and had everything, every idea that was in Peter Molyneux's head, it would probably be the best game ever made. But unfortunately, 
I want to live in his head. <laughs> I would like to see maybe if they did like a, a HD release. Or just like all three of them. That's well, probably what they will do. To even Lionhead replay. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I'd, I'd take that. Uh, I'm one of the... You're one of the what? We'll never know. We, we will, will never, never know. know. We'll never know. What, did it cut out? Cliffhanger. Yeah. What are you? One oh, of no. I'm one Next of the shooters on from the grassy knoll. Um, I'm going to leave it then. We'll never know. No, we, we must know. Now, I, I'm an apologist for Fable 3. Oh, there we go. Like, I actually quite like the I did one. enjoy the chicken right. races. Get out. Oh, God. <laughs> my, my, my housemates and I would actually bet real money on the chicken races. Oh my god. We used, it as a, we used it as a drinking game as well before we went out. We'd put on Fable 3 and we'd actually bet on, on the chickens with money and, and with uh, shots. I still remember that the. Because uh, you could do like the pie making mini game or whatever, wasn't it? There were like different. You had to do the mini games to earn money. Yeah. And in the third one, for some reason, the frame rate would drop every time you hit a button, so it made it almost impossible to hit the, the, the following key. It was. That game was quite bad, but I love it. Does anyone, anyone got anything? Anyone, anyone else want to eulogise over the the wounded corpse of Lionhead Studios? Well, I, 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 I would actually. You mentioned it'd be quite nice to see Bullfrog back. I'd like to see like another theme hospital game um, or another version of um, uh, theme park. Don't worry, a me real, and Ace are making that one. A real version of Dungeon Keeper, and not the bastardised version from EA. When you say a real version with like an actual dungeon with real monsters in it, yeah, that'd be amazing. An, an actual real dungeon with a keeper. <laughs> now, actually, now that you mentioned Theme Hospital, what an what, what a gem of a game that was. Theme Hospital was awesome to play when you're yeah. drunk. I still play it. You can... Oh, to play. Yeah. Uh, you... actually, talking about building shit, I last weekend I played a lot of Sutai Kun One. Worth mentioning. I don't know. <laughs> so no, no one else has any fond memories they want to to bring up at all and we'll just take, take it as an opportunity to slag Peter off Peter you touched me oh don't bring it down well, to I mean, that level like, he didn't I was having a conversation the other day about how Fable 2 is the reason why I actually bought a 360 in the first place yeah yeah I mean, I'd played um, Fable on PC and Lost Chapters, um, and I was obviously really, really excited when Fable 2 was coming out because uh, Fable was such a good game, and I I got into it so much. Um, So I remember being marched to game to go and purchase my very first console because I'd never, ever bought a console before. So Fable 2 is the reason that I bought my first console ever. It also is a shame that they actually never came out for PC as well, two and three. Yeah. Can I um? Can I admit I've actually never played any of the Fable games? Yes, you can. You're not missing yes, out on two. Me neither. Me neither. So I've I've only played two. I've only played half of two and the chicken races from three. I played part of the first one, all of two, all of three. On the complete other end of the spectrum, then, uh, the first Fable was the first RPG I ever played. Because I was eight, I think, when it came out. Fuck you. Oh, you little baby boy. Oh, really? <laughs> but yeah, so 
I absolutely when, when adore the first when one. When did Fable come out? The first one. Two thousand and four. Oh jeez. So, yeah, so you all talk about you, you all talk eight, about theme like, hospital. What five? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll go. Yeah. Kayfabe. I was actually four. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh, I think we've exhausted the topic of uh, of Lionhead. Who? Well, good luck to all those people who have lost their jobs or, or may lose their jobs in the future, and good luck to Microsoft in burying that IP. And well done to Sony for latching onto it as quickly as possible. You old rogues. But anyway, we're going to be moving on to the. Uh, the main topic of this podcast, which is uh, the myth of the perfect game launch. Uh, I was prompted to make this the main topic after. I'm a big Total War fan. And recently, the developers Creative Assembly decided they were going to push back the release of their upcoming game, Total War Warhammer, uh, by a month. It was going to come out at the end of April. It's now coming out at the end of May. Uh, the fan base has reacted to this rather positively. Uh, generally, just saying, you know, take your time, finish it when it's, when it's ready. Don't release a... Um, you know, a a broken game. People have got very long memories. Remember what Room Two was like when it uh, when it came out, and it was full of bugs and glitches and awful. So it got me thinking: um, Will we ever see a release that is absolutely perfect? Uh, and since there are so many releases that come out bugged, um, should we give developers as much time as they need, or should we try and get them to push games but also work harder? And has something like early access? Um, sort of developed in gamers the idea that, you know, playing a game before it's ready is is the done thing. The um, only game I can think of that's been perfectly released, in my opinion, is The Witcher 3. That had messed up walking in it, though, didn't it? People complained about the navigation and the fact that... Uh, didn't bother Gary... <laughs> well, There we go. No, but it wasn't perfect, was it? Just because it didn't bother you doesn't mean it's not perfect, Cal. It ran... Beautifully. What, so... what, yes, but it still had an issue with it. That we're, like, we, yeah. we're going to negate The Witcher 3, sorry. Arkham Knight rang perfectly but on my PC, that was not a perfect this, game. This topic really is quite specific, isn't it, to AAA games, really. Because you get a lot of smaller indie games that come out that have perfect releases. Yeah, like no bugs and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. because, you it... know, I don't know. They, I guess they have People some... People care about them. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I will... Um, no, I'll edit they have less pressure. The myth of the perfect AAA release. AAA release. Yeah. Well, I I've think... got a, a rebuttal for that as well. I mean, oh, you, you give someone as much time as they want and you you can still get Metal Gear Solid Five. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Th- I think there have been... There have been uh, perfect releases. I'm thinking... Almost every Nintendo first-party title has come out with all the features working as they want. Uh, whatever you, ah. whatever you feel about Nintendo, like there's is... never been a oh giant. There's a giant patch for Super Mario Galaxy Two. I've got to download. It just works. This is the because um... the games are so bloody simple. You don't need any additional Ooh. shit in it. Oh, okay. Shots Baby wow. games. This is just, just calm it down. Germ- wow. Let's just go to the burn ward. But anyway, um. Burn. Yeah, I was going to say, but also, a Nintendo tend to take their time with their games as well. That's one of the things oh, that look at, they sort of look at they Zelda pride Wii. themselves. Like, there's the Nintendo seal of quality, and that was always their thing of, our games must work properly and be perfect before we release them, and that's why they tend to be a generation behind everyone oh, else. Are you ready for some edge? I'm going to get edgy here. Can you call Nintendo games AAA? 
No. I was just yes. thinking. No. Oh, so much edge. Also, Don't cut yourself. They only develop. They also develop for only one platform. And one generation of people, yes. children. <laughs> and developers are making, like, Call of Duty, for example, comes out PC, Xbox, and PlayStation. No version is going to be perfect. MZ's going in hard on this one. I'm sorry. Or Tom's weeping in the corner. Of... <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm, say, actually, I know a series of games. I know a series of AAA games that never come out with any bugs. Which are the Call of Duty games. Oh. What? I we mean... do have bugs. I, I disagree. I think that as much as I don't like Call of Duty, um, I don't remember any of, since Modern Warfare, any of them having bugs. So that they has always been work. a Call Didn't of Duty ghosts. game with bugs. That Didn't ghosts have the same mother. I mean, there may be bugs, but like... It's it's always very difficult to notice. Uh, um, uh, game like the matching games, the matchmaking—that's the word I was looking for. Um, it's always been great in Call of Duty games. Uh, connections always worked, and and there's never been a, a game-breaking uh, no, bug. But that... the, I think we're misdefining perfect here. Perfect release means no flaws. That there are clearly flaws that have happened in Call of Duty releases, whether they're game breaking or not. Yeah, but that's yeah. like all all games get patched at some point, even the even the indie ones, and the, it is like a few bugs that nobody really, like the average player never even noticed, and and it just get polished down. And somebody that actually explored a bit more into the game found out that game, reported to the developer, and there's so many times that, that happens. So. Let's look at it this way. I think that a perfect game release is a little bit like the Aurora Borealis in England. So it happens, I guess, elsewhere in the world or, you know, it might happen occasionally for indie games or whatever. But for a AAA release, once in a while, you get you get to see the Aurora Borealis in the Scotland or in North or whatever. And you're just like, oh, my God, that's so amazing. That's so beautiful. It's something that I don't get to see very often. And then it never happens for like a decade or whatever. It always annoys me when it comes out with bugs, though. Oh, hang on, I'm getting confused. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is, it is annoying I mean... when the Aurora Borealis rains insects. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it just? I mean, the developers are partially blamed for this. The whole yearly release schedule is is. It should we blame publishers, one, not one developers? Big issue. But well, the I think are, well, the developers, yeah, the publishers are to blame, but the developers are like, just knock it out. There you go, done. I think they're doing the best they can. I don't know why we're shitting on them. To be to bring up the publisher, to bring up the idea of to bring up the sorry, the Total War um, example again. Uh, with the case with with Rome Two, was that uh, a lot of people when it came out, the game looked. Uh, significantly different to how it looked in all of its previews, even the pre 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 alpha footage of a, like a battle they did way before release looked better than the re- than the finished product and what people believe is that Sega thought the creative assembly were taking too long and told them to release it within a certain time frame and that required creative assembly to cut a lot of the features that they had originally put into the game and uh, which resulted in a lot of 
breakages and cracks and messed up areas of code and basically ended up being shipped broken because they couldn't do half the things they wanted to do. Uh, obviously, that's not been confirmed or denied by anyone within the company, but it seems that way when you look at the trailers from before the game and the game that was released, that's completely differently, different looking products. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, the, uh, rather ironically, um, and this is my theory, actually, that the game's been pushed back for quality control purposes because I believe they were working with Games Workshop this time, which um, is now... Uh, is it going to have its brand out there on a major title and so is probably going to be rather strict with Sega and the Creative Assembly on what kind of product they actually put out there because it's not just Total War's reputation out there it's a it's a very well represented brand that's um, taking the risk and let's be honest if you've ever played Warhammer then a month isn't that long that's only about the time it takes to play half a game <laughs> But yeah, I mean, Ace. I had a discussion with Ace about this earlier, and he actually points out that there are, you know, there are a number of rather rubbish um, Warhammer games, but they've all usually been quite smaller mobile titles or something like that. And this is a much larger title that is what well, it's their fa- Warhammer Fantasy Battles, which is their, you know, one of their flagship. Um, I mean, they've they've messed it up with their yeah. yeah their flagship brand, uh, and so that's people reckon that they've basically put the put the um, the pressure on Sega to to push it back, but. Um, people have said that Sega are quite um, finicky about getting games out within a certain schedule. So is it the publishers pushing their devs, or are the devs, like uh, like Carl said earlier, that they're just shoving it out there? They don't really care. No, I think there's definitely something to be said for publishers putting kind of time constraints on things being released. I mean, going back to something that Vod said earlier, like we are we are talking about a perfect release here. However, I don't think that a perfect release is necessary. Um, because some stuff is always going to be patched and because we are in a time period where games can always be improved and we're quite fortunate in that in that you know that we can get stuff patched to make things better and um, you know I I think that that's always going to be the way however we are getting more and more pushed aren't we well not us personally but developers are getting more and more pushed to releasing games within time periods to keep people's interest because the game market is getting so competitive in fact uh, this ties sorry uh, this ties with what you guys were talking about earlier somebody said i think it was speaks about how um or dom every different different computers have different rigs and and uh, software works differently in in different hardware, so I think that games are are pieces of software, and that obviously I think it's quite difficult to cover all types of of hardware. So at some point there's going to be something that I don't know, um, so like a bug, but really nobody nobody's going to notice unless just a few people that have that have that particular. Thing. This is the issue. Do we do we give uh, especially for PC games, uh, obviously which have to cater to so many different variations of hardware um does that mean we allow them the time because it could take them months could take them a a year to do all this testing to make sure it works on every single piece of hardware do we give them that time or do we just hope that when they push it out and this is probably what they what they do they just push it out and go well if we find uh, if it doesn't work with amd processors then we'll just we'll just chuck a patch out there well alien isolation worked without many faults so i don't know what's going on with them that runs superbly maybe nice different team and that was by 
Hmm? I think it was a different team. Different dev team. Is that, yeah, right. yeah, but right. they still, they're still. still in the same company. They can just go, oi, mate, you know how to do this. Come and do this. Yeah, but it's also the engine. You've well. also got to think that, create, that um, sorry, that um, Alien Isolation was a first-person game on the rails, basically. Total War is quite an expansive real-time strategy game with lots of different variations. and the, um, On more systems than That's Total true. War. That is very true. So, I mean, maybe it'll be alright. Maybe they've worked out what they need to do, having done having done made. That's not even <laughs> well, the right way to say it. To be it. fair to them, the, um, <laughs> the release of Total War Attila was was relatively bug-free by their standards. Uh, the thing they've, they've had a history of this. They released it. Empire Total War came out and it was broken as well. But that was a rather ambitious step forward because they created a campaign map that was the world. Um... And then Shogun 2 came out, and that was fairly, I think, not perfect, but it was like a 9 out of 10 in terms of quality testing, and that game was incredible, and then they tried to make Rome in it, and it messed up again. But this is something I wanted to, to bring around again and say, should will we see, will, will, a, will a, a technically perfect release, uh, will it become a more, a more rare event as games, by their nature, become more complex and involve more systems and features and... There's so many different things to test in such a smaller time frame. Do you think we'll just just get to the point where we just come to expect a game to have issues on release? Yeah, I think so. And that's what we're here for, to write about them before release and let people know. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what, that is what a preview is for, isn't it? You have previews and reviews for a reason, because you preview a game, and then the things that are said in the previews are taken into account to help improve the game before they are of reviewable, uh, you know, capability. But sometimes press, games are, press copies are different from retail copies. Yes, that is true. I'd also like to point out that it should technically be easier for developers nowadays because the Xbox One and the PS4 are the closest in terms of specifications and development-wise to a PC. It's not like the days with the PlayStation 2 and the Xbox and beforehand where it was very complicated for developers, especially the PS3. The developers complained of how notoriously difficult it was to develop for the PS3. It should be easier for them now. That's all I've got to say. Well, yeah, I mean, it's whether it, it's going to be. It, I don't know whether there's going to be a a a high a high tide moment where people just sort of get to the point where no one complains about bugs on release anymore. I mean, you know, people just take the piss out of it. I mean, there was that thing with the the division this week, wasn't there? That the uh, people couldn't. If uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. People who have played it. That oh, players had to form an orderly queue because if too many people press the 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 active activate button on a on a console in the game, then it wouldn't work. So people had to go and queue up so they could go one at a time. And these things have changed. Yeah, from... twenty <laughs> minutes. Twenty minutes. I had to stand in that bloody queue. That's amazing. And that's, Twice. And this that's is the amazing. thing. That, that that is a major flaw. Ish. But then also, it's turned. Yeah. In, everyone's like, oh, isn't that brilliant? Isn't that funny? That's this major bug. That's it. That's, it, it is funny, convenience people, and it's very a very British thing as well that people were complying I think with. The it. US were doing it as well. I think everyone was doing it. Really, they were moaning at people who were cutting the line and everything. Oh, we were getting so annoyed. We were screaming at people running through the door and just running to the front. And we're like, "No, get back!" 
but yeah, it was it was annoying. But I do think that we're never going to see a perfect game release with games having like always online components, whether it's leaderboards and whatnot, and just having servers crash. Oh yeah, on that's really. Day. To be honest, to be honest, that is quite inexcusable, isn't it? Not being prepared for a launch day. Like when I was when I had um, early access to Street Fighter Five, it was absolutely fine. When I was reviewing it, it, it the servers. Oh what no! What were the servers? Lost him again. <laughs> Season two of with the Sopranos. Were the servers on the grassy knoll? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's going to be oh, like the ending of Dragon I'm Ball done. Z, isn't I'm it? I'm done. <laughs> will we ever I'm... find out if Big Z will ever tell us what happened on the servers? Ah, next week. Will Big Z complete his Kamehameha? Coming up on the next next week's exciting episode of no oh, yeah so basically what was what actually did happen on the servers I'm serious um so they were being they were being turned off because they were just working on them um but outside of those hours it worked fine and then um, immediately as the game launched it just went down for about a day and yeah because it was always online even though there were single player elements you couldn't play those while the game was offline because it would boot you out happy days for everyone who wanted to play the division that's harsh but then you get that a lot with mmos <clears throat> even though uh often mmos have open betas and stuff um quite a few before big releases so like um elder scrolls online i remember playing that but that that is a multiplayer game though. yeah but i remember playing that's... that on launch day and like for the whole first day you couldn't get into the game yeah, so like you would think as a game that is re- like kind of relying on massively multiplayer aspects and they have had kind of like a, a surgence of people playing the, in the betas to kind of estimate what they're going to be receiving on release day to then kind of have a game that's pretty much unplayable on release day, it does put a lot of people off. Well, you never buy day one. Well, you do. You do if you love the Elder Scrolls and you love MMOs. Oh, definitely. Especially, yeah, MMOs are quite notorious. For but then again, look at Diablo 3. It was the same. The, I can't remember what error code it was. Oh, error 37. That's the one. And I got that on day of release, and I sat there going, we'll try again later then. Um, Dom, I can't help but notice how you said that. Like, like um, it really affected you at the time. It, I, I it's think it's burned actually into your memory. It's burned into my retinas. If I blink in bright sunlight, I can still see the fucking error message. <laughs> Bless you. And after all that, Diablo three wasn't even that good. I think it I wasn't worth the wait. That was the that was the hardest part about it. Which is after playing it, actually eventually getting into the game and playing it, you sort of be in denial for a little bit. And then you sort of realise, yeah, it's not the same. Yeah. It's it's like waiting six hours for an ice cream and then finding out it's Marmite flavour. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would try that. Oh, you're wrong. You're part of the problem. <laughs> I hear that more often than you'd think. <laughs> 
Well, going back to the, uh, the the issue with the division on day one, especially, is that um, the division sold more copies in its first twenty four hours than any other Ubisoft game to date. So that's a lot of people to not be playing the game in the first twenty four hours. Yeah. Well, you've been able to pre order it for about five years. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> this is what they're doing here. Like they they know from the amount of pre-orders they've had they've got a good idea of how much server capacity they're going to get and yet i know you you don't want to have your servers at the sort of capacity you get at launch because you'll never get that many simultaneous logins again but you can hire server space you can farm it out to a third-party company just for that 48 hour period of, of launch burst and yet companies don't do it i, I just don't get why they don't Division seems alright, as far as I'm aware. When the servers go down. What What was the first part of that sentence you said, Ace? Or you could just pay the overtime for when the servers go down and you need the engineers to fix them. Yes. But is oh, it... Wasn't it Xbox or something that went... No, it was Steam when it went wrong over Christmas and they had like one person with uh, who could get to the servers when they had all those issues. Like they they need to yeah they need to keep an eye on servers and stuff on launch days and that. But is 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 um again coming back to the idea of this this perfect launch with the fact that that happened, division probably hasn't taken a massive hit to its users because that happened. So gamers in general are they becoming more uh, what's the word used to these kinds of things happening and just sort of shrugging them off as opposed to immediately finding the nearest forum to call it the worst game ever, 1 out of 10, that we'll never play again. We're definitely more acceptable of this. Because it's just, it's happened far too many times that people are just thinking, oh, I'm not going to work out, I'm going to get worked up about it, I'm just going to accept it. Okay. You know, they'll fix it eventually. And that's with yeah, the, that's, with the, that's digi- the exact sentiment, isn't it? They'll fix it eventually. And that's the, with the digital age we're in, because years ago when we had the PlayStation 2 releases, they, they were all on discs or even on when you had the carts and everything. There, there was no patching system or anything like that, so the games had to be, you know, had to be working. And with this digital age now, they can knock the game out. And no, they because some companies know that some bugs are in the game even upon release. And that's why you've got all these day one patches. They think, oh, okay, we'll just release it anyway and then wait for... Once everyone starts playing it on the release date, we'll knock out a day one patch. I don't mean to sound like an old man, but um, maybe it's just it's this... It's the modern culture of self-gratification. Want, want, want. Need, need, need. Got to have the, day, the game on day one. Don't care if it's got bugs. They'll fix it eventually. I've got to have it before everyone else. Yeah. I was going to say something about that earlier, is why are we so desperate? Why is it that we need to play it the second that it's released? Like, why can't we just give it some time? Everyone, it's like a an urge inside you, like, oh, God, I can't have someone else experience this before me. You know, like, yeah. Well, I, I suppose do- there is always, like... Again, I'm playing devil's advocate here, and it's a thin excuse, but there is always that whole fear of spoilers thing. Like, if you've got a load of friends that are all going to play the same game, then you don't come into work the next day and hear, oh, did you get to the bit where Dave dies yet? And you're going, oh, shit, I haven't even started. Not Dave. Um, spoilers. 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 I do think it's amazing that, like, people will buy 
the Blu-ray copy of a film that came out 30 years ago, but they won't buy a game two weeks after it launched. <laughs> like, it does seem that game sales are always on the first day and then it, it'll just die off. Um, I mean, I think that that's a fair point. I think that, obviously, when you look at yourself, it's like, well, why, why, what's the reason why I like this game? I think that you're missing... Like, think about it. What creates people to want a game so badly and it's it's mainly the way that that the marketing's done and marketing is designed to create that need of people needing that game on on release and and creating and say like yeah actually there's no game that is gonna satisfy you as much as as this one um so kind of in a sense it builds a hype like that so i can understand why people want it i still i i don't think i don't think we should get as excited but you can't really start pointing fingers and people saying like oh you should have waited two months until until they fix the game because because it's it's everybody is like nobody's really guilty to fall for for the trappings that marketing uh companies do and to uh I'm going to flip it on its head, this, this on its head a little bit because I've just had a thought as well. And maybe our listeners might be thinking something like that, saying, oh, very well us having a go at people wanting to play games straight away, but we uh, don't we review games before everyone else? Is that not a reason why some of us might like being games journalists? No. Not if you're playing The Division. <laughs> <laughs> I think, like, in, in terms of... Like if if you're a critic of anything, you have to review it while it's fresh because that's the only time that people are going to be vaguely interested in in reading it uh, until it gets to the point of being old enough that it encounters retro. But if we reviewed uh, PS3 games, people probably wouldn't have any real interest in it. Uh, but- no, this isn't the point. This isn't the point I'm making. The point I'm making is uh, has the fact that you get to see games before other people influenced your enjoyment slash selection of a role as a games journalist i think i would have hated pit stop challenge as much if i played it in six months time or, or three <laughs> weeks ago you gotta take the rough with the smooth <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know about everyone else but personally that kind of that wasn't the appeal um i i don't know i i with me I'm possibly a little bit different because I am one of these weird people that collects old games anyway so I'm just as happy picking up just a game that's new to me as a brand new game but I don't know am I unique in that no there's lots of people out there not saying that you're not unique because you're a special snowflake but you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay yeah you're unique let's go with that can I ride the special bus of course, of course. Was that, was that Bell for the special bell? <laughs> it was rather well timed. Um, are games are new games why I became a games journalist? Um, no, I I just wanted to write about a, a subject that I feel passionate about, so that people will pay attention to me and read my things. There we go. The the fact I, I like the fact that I get to sometimes occasionally play games um, before they've released, but it, it it wasn't a deciding factor. It's it's. Um, I'm basically engineering character assassinations here. 
It's not like um, so someone decides, oh, I'm I'm going to become a car salesman because I, I I want to drive the new Audi TT before it comes out. I mean, I know quite a few journalists who do what they do because they get to see stuff before everyone else. A lot of tech journalists like the job or chose the job because they get to see see things before other people. I don't. Cause I, I, yeah. I don't because I do financial tech, so there's nothing going on there. But yeah, I, I mean, imagine. It's like I, I used to work for LG um, a couple of years ago, and one of the nice enticing things about it was essentially we get to see the new televisions. And it's all like, ooh, pretty and lovely. And then they started, um, they essentially said to us, well, unfortunately, we're no longer to let you uh, see the new showroom and everything like that, so we're just going to start handing you pamphlets uh, with all the new information, and we're going to update the website with the new information. It's like, so we we can't go see the showroom and see the lovely TVs and play with them. And they were like, nah. And after that, this sort of excitement of going to work sort of diminished. We've definitely gone on a bit of a tangent. <laughs> I think we have. Yeah. I, I, Why did you Everyone's just defending their decisions. Everyone's just defending their decision to become a games journalist. Yeah, I just was in it for the free games and people reading my shit and being like, oh, she's a good writer. I was I was in for You're bitches. Right. Did you just say I was in it for bitches? How did that work out for <laughs> you? I um, could we touch on a point that Bixie brought up a moment ago though, which is that he, he was talking about how people will buy uh, a Blu-ray movie from like you know old nineteen fifties films on Blu-ray, really selling well, but we don't get older games. Now, is that the we don't buy them after three weeks. Or is that just if you go into anywhere that stocks games, HMV, Virgin Megastore, whatever, they won't be stocking anything that's more than a few months old. Like, if you wanted to go and get a copy of Grand Theft Auto 4, then you'd struggle to find it. And that's that seems a bit weird. Gaming is the only entertainment media where it just seems to be that a game is completely forgotten about and not printed after it's more than six months old. If you managed to find somewhere on the high street that sold physical games, I would actually be quite amazed these days. But, yeah, I know what you're saying, but you may, yeah, I'd just sense. use Amazon. That's why you've got so many of these um, you know, pre-owned stores. To like be fair, I bought my dad a PS2 and Fight Club. Fight Club? Fight Night from Amazon for, like, 12 quid, I think. Yeah, you have to sort of go for the internet and go through, like, eBay or Amazon. To find older games they're not because the thing is they they don't want to have like obviously gta 4 for example they're not going to have a big shelf showing copies of gta 4 they're going to try and sell you gta 5 and sell you gta 5 on the xbox one or ps4 so they're going to because have they'll that. charge you 60 quid for that rather than six quid for gta 4 exactly yeah. they're not going to bother putting up a shelf for that and they said if you want it just have a look at the pre-owned selection it might be in there i don't know Oh my, I don't know. Go away. That's what most retailer shops are like now. Would you like to pre-order? This is why. This is why um, Steam and and, um, Origin and UPlay are are superior because they they. If if you think if someone says oh you should have gotten GTA Four then oh well I'll go and have a look if it's on if it's available digitally. And you can you can pick it up. Um, I uh, during the winter sale, I picked up um, Judge Dread 
Dread versus Death, and um, I've finally got around to playing it. It's a, it's a game that I I didn't get to play in 2003, and if it wasn't for Steam, I'd have never played it. Yeah, and you've got the same with um, good old games as well, which offers that service of giving you all those old classic games, which you've got next to no chance of finding in the shops anymore. Exactly, yeah. Right, well, uh, although we've sort of gone onto a tangent, we've actually come to the end of the podcast, or if you fancy listening to my lovely German again, dies ist das Ende der Show. So, thanks to you, listener, uh, for sitting through all of that. I hope you've you've had some, you've had a good time listening to us, uh, and we'll be back next week. And I can actually give you a preview of the topic we'll be covering next week because I've already thought of it. Because I'm such a forward-thinking podcast host, we'll be talking about the defensiveness of gamers and why everyone gets riled up about gaming, as opposed to you know people don't get riled up about their favorite TV show that much unless they're on Tumblr. But anyway, that'll be the to topic. Say? That'll be the topic uh, next week. But um, yeah, so thank, again, thanks for listening, and uh, I'm going to go through the whole rigmarole here, so again, if you want to find us on GameGrin, you can just go to GameGrin.com and find the podcast on the newsfeed, or go to the podcast section. There are comments under the podcast there for you to get involved and chat to us, and we'll try our best to reply. You can find the GrinCast on Twitter now, it's at GrinCast, where we tweet from as much, as much as we can, and we like to you know get a bit of interaction going on there. You can also find GameGrin on YouTube and Facebook, just search GameGrin, uh, Still trying to experiment with getting the podcast up on YouTube. GameGrin also has a Twitch channel. Again, search GameGrin, and we also in the future, near future, we might do a uh, a Twitch cast or a stream cast, and then we'll see. Well, maybe if we can get everyone up for that. Um, as I said before, make sure you visit GameGrin to view all our news, previews, reviews, and articles, and check out Game On Magazine, which is our sister company that provides awesome gaming magazines on a variety of topics and genres. Uh, now I've got all that out of the way, last thing to do is just to thank you again, listeners, thank you to all of the podcast members today, Ace, Cal, Dom, MZ, Vixie, and Vodka, and until next week, everyone, game on.